When you look at Robin Hood and the Stranger and also the wider tales, what you see is a kind of a guide, I suppose, like a procedural guide of how, how groups of individuals on a local scale are supposed to cooperate together. And the closest thing I can think of that represents that, or where I see it clearest, is in the pub culture. Particularly, you might see it in country pubs. And in America, you might see it in uh, cigar bars, right? Okay, I'll just tell the story first. So what happens is Robin Hood, at the edge of the forest, sees a stranger trying to cross the water, challenges him at the border of where of the known Greenwood that he's in, challenges him and says, you can't pass here, you don't need permission to pass here. And then little John says, oh, I can pass and go where I like. He's a stranger, he's just called stranger in the actual thing at this point, right? Little John moves forward to try and go to walk past him. And Robin Hood jumps back with his bow to shoot him, right? And says, don't go any further. And then little John says, he says, oh, that's not very fair. You're armed and I'm not. How does that work? Then you notice the value. He notices the value, same value of fairness. So oh, it's an Englishman I'm dealing with, right? It's not foreigner. Like, so it's in terms of the procedure, it's like, ah, okay. Once you know what you're dealing with, then you can act in the same way. And, and you can see that that's what he does, is that he, he, he goes, oh, okay, well, fairness then, A, I'll cut down two staffs and we'll fight the same weapon. That's fair, isn't it? And so that's really kind of like a testing of the testing. Okay, if this person's come into my territory, you kind of test their competency, don't you? Uh, when you're socially, you might make a joke or whatever, you're, you're assessing each other. And uh, it's kind of a procedure for that too. So the battle is a great metaphor, at least, for this testing of each other that you do. As the story goes, Little John, they fight. Robin Hood gets beaten by Little John. Right, he's constantly beaten across the whole thing by all the different merry men that he recruits. But that's basically showing you, ah, oh, I see, this is a chap of man of the right stamp, kind, right kind of guy. Maybe Marion too, a woman of the right stamp. Maybe Marion is in, in the same legends, right? So anyway, he recruits him into the gang, but basically there's a procedure there that you see, ah, oh, that's the way, and you can see that same behavior uh, you see in a pub as well. Someone comes into the pub Greenwood and he's sort of tested, he's tested implicitly. Right, he might look around at the symbols on the wall, and then people might start talking to him. They might make a joke, see the kind of chap he is, see his competency, and then, of course, over time, he'll be welcomed in, and then it becomes his territory as well. But you, so, when you look at the actual practices of that pub, there's a eudaimonia with the the patrons that are already there that you would consider regulars, and they're the people you're sort of inculcating yourself with over time. And you might start with seeing the history on the walls. You're seeing the bits and pieces. As the, it's for the local community, it is like that. The sort of symbols are put on the wall implicitly of the achievements of the community and the history of it. And someone comes in there, probably browse those things so they don't have anyone to talk to yet. So immediately they're being inculcated with it, actually participating in it once you start looking at it. And that's what you'll do. If you're new to an area, you'll go into a pub, you'll look, you'll go in there, and uh, you'll just look at the walls because you don't know the people yet. It's a place where people commune to share their narrative order. And in the context of the local borough, the local community, right? That's why this stuff is on the walls and it's connected to those things. So you're telling your local story. So you're telling your individual story in communitas with the people around you. And it's all contextualized in that scenario. Say you're having a drink, your inhibitions are lowered, right? And you're connected more to the sense of the commons, of what you have in common with these people. When your individual goals are lowered, when you're not at work, when you're not going after money, when you're not watching your words because you're worried about earning money. Thinking mind is sort of silent, so it's more your intuition. Your intuitive behavior is more active. What 
you're just there experiencing this, what you might call the spirit of Robin Hood or the spirit of, in spirit, I mean the pattern of behavior, if you want to think about it more scientifically. Robin Hood, that stuff was told in taverns, right? Part of the storytelling, the joke making was told for pleasure and fun. That's what we do there. Right? Like all the wolves in England being killed, which was not the case anywhere on the continent. So what that allows is a place that is a public space, but kind of private, kind of like a pub. The Greenwood itself becomes not a place of danger, but a place of refuge. And I think there's a connection of that to the pub itself. It's like a public private place where you can go to get away from authority criticize authority that i would say set this implicit behavioral this is the role of, of what's here this is how you act when you go here so those behavioral patterns are still in there and the role we put on and where when we go to the right kind of pub with the regulars to talk banter to uh, to make jokes and do that sort of thing at a pub we're wearing that archetype when you look at the arena and agent relationship of the place, like if the pub is the arena, that's the arena, then what's the agent that goes there? What's the nature or the role you play when you're in a pub, right? I mean, you go there to talk banter, to bring down, to talk down authority, right? To make jokes of the jokes of the high and also each other at the same time. But that's the cool thing. And that's really, you can see that archetype all over Robin Hood in terms of the chief power of him is, is, is tearing down authority with ridicule. And that's what you learn in the pub, right? So I would say that what the pub is, sort of an emergent Greenwood, just think about it, like what's the archetype you see there? And it's also like a public-private place that's training, that trains you as a young man. When you go to this place, it's a social curriculum that happens, you're trained uh, that, okay, here's the arena for this thing. I'm not saying that, that should be, you should be drinking all the time, but in that arena, doing that, lowering inhibitions, bringing down authority, and that's also reflect, reflected in the type of people that are brought there go there right it's high and low it's it's uh, people of all professions and they all wear the lincoln green when they're there they're they're professional word watching god is brought down everyone is sort of on the same playing field and also these places it's everyone is welcome uh, and and this is where the saying comes in it's like every pub is a parliament right that's true right debating that and discussing ideas in the context of the community in the local borough you're making sense of that with the modern day-to-day -day stuff that's in the news, in the context of the community, the context of this narrative order and the normative order. It's a recipe for a communitas that can make sense of what's going on, but you need also to form your sanity. It's like making coming to a consensus with all these perspectival understandings, all implicit, right? We're not even doing this on purpose, but it just works this way. That consensus then leads to whatever pressure on the local borough politician. Sense of the commons, hopefully, is relayed up the chain. He goes to parliament, whatnot. And that's the local unit. Lo the locus of that consensus comes from the pub, though. And what's so lovely about it, too, is it's so quaint, right? When you look at Greece, it's like the grand Acropolis. That's where the polis is. But our polis is down in a little pub in every local borough, there's a micropolis, decentralized version of it in every pub, in every little village. There's a polis that goes up the chain. And that's in its power, though. It's that's sort of the opposite of that classical world with the grandeur of the Acropolis and the grandeur of the Senate of Rome. Yeah, Parliament is a beautiful building, but the true genius of it is down the chain in the borough 
where sense making is made. Because all this is implicit, but there is that realization that's happening behind the scenes. It's like, like this is this is the narrative order. This is the normative order. This is the uh, nomological order as well. The sense making, at least part of it, the sense making sort of apparatus of implicit uh, learning that is achieved through these practices, and that's the practice. Not every afternoon, but it is for some. You're going to the pub, and you're playing your part in this grand yet quaint ritual that was a big part of making the whole place what it is and still is today if we can protect it and maintain it. Yes, the truth of that term, every pub is a parliament, right? It's not literal. If you think about it through that lens, that was the idea, is all the concerns of that local communitas, cellular and how the cells fit together. It's like, it's the democracy of the the boroughs, really. It's not like the individual. The unit is the borough, many different boroughs. It's, a it's like a grand sense of the commons with many composers, but of the same sort of spirit. A spirit that not one person can't ever know completely. Every constituent piece, every borough, it needs to be continued for the perspectival understanding to go up the chain. But it has to have the local element. It doesn't work. That's why fairness can't be done by the government and the state. This idea that oh, everyone should get an equal portion. How do you know they have concerns on the ground? Idiot, right? You can't. Fairness can be done on the local scale. It begins in the borough. They're kind of like the different, the different uh, probes that pick up the breaks in the order, right? The breaks in the continuity. And they come together in this place, in the pub. And that's where they commune to find the truth of what's going on. Okay, so over here, the moral order's been cut, like someone's doing something really bad over here, and they make sense of that, or they're feeling of that in the pub, where they can tell the truth, where they can attack authority, right? That's where they get to the truth of it, where it's a public, private space, where it can't be invaded, it's not social media, where someone's always watching you, right? It's a place where you can talk on the local, tell the truth without worry about the authorities coming and knocking on your door for hate speech, and actually address with and maybe with strength or with whatever it may be, a break in the moral continuity to say what isn't supposed to be said if it needs to be said by having your inhibitions lowered by having a, a beer or whatnot. And that's not to say to do it all the time, but it's damn essential to unity because you can't do it all on your own because you go mental. You need people to go, hmm, yeah, I do know what you mean. Oh, yeah, I see what you're saying. I did see that there. I did see that person up to no good. He's not from here. He's got some alien gods. You know, what's going on with that? You know, he's sacrificing animals over there. That seems a bit odd. Whereas then you go on social media and say the same thing. <laughs> you guys hate speech. Well, oh, you're cutting animals' necks. That's hate speech. Well, hang on. Hang on a minute. The beauty of the thing is in the smallness of it. And you can kind of see that in Tolkien's work, or the Hobbits, that's, that's basically represents rural, rural English people. Um, even the smallest person can change the course of the future, right? That's the quaintness of the borough. That's the quaintness of how the power comes bottom up. Actually, it's crucial that the smallest person does their duty to, to be a part of changing the course of the future, because if they don't, the whole thing doesn't work. That's actually core to it. So I'm going to do uh, a reading of Tennyson's So Love Thy Land with a Love Far Brought from, from the storied past. Love thou thy land with a love far brought from out our storied past and used within the present but transfused through future time by power of thought. True love turned round on fixed poles, love that endures not sordid ends, 
for English Nietzsche's free men friends, thy brothers and immortal souls. But pamper not a hasty time, nor feed with crude imaginings, a herd wild hearts and feeble wings, that every sophist can line. Deliver not the tasks of might, to weakness neither hide the ray, for those not blind who wait for day, though sitting girt with doubtful light, make knowledge circle with the winds, that let her herald reverence fly, before her to whatever sky, fair seed of men and growth to mine, what what main currents draw the years, cut prejudice against the grain, but gentle words are always gain, regard the weakness of thy peers, nor toil for title, place or tongue, or pension neither count on praise, it grows for guerdon after days, nor deal in watchwords overmuch, not clinging to some ancient saw, not mastered by some modern term, not swift nor slow to change but firm, and in its season bring the law that from discussion's lip may fall, with life that working strongly binds, set in all lights by many minds, to choose the interests of all. For nature also cold and warm, and moist and dry devising long, through many agents making strong, matures the individual form. Meet is it changes should control, our being lest we rust in ease, we all are changed by still degrees, all but the basis of the soul. So let the change which comes be free to engroove itself with that which flies and work a joint of state that plies in office moved with sympathy, a saying hard to shape and act. For all the past of time reveals a bridal drawn of thunder pearls whenever thought hath wedded fact. Even now we hear the inward strife, emotion toiling in the gloom, the spirit of the years to come, yearning to mix himself with life. Slow developed strength awaits, completion in a painful school, phantoms of other forms of rule, new majesties of mighty states, the warders of the growing hour, but vague and vapour hard to mark, round them see an era dark, with great contrivances of power, of many changes aptly joined, his body to forth the second whole, Regard gradation, lest the soul of discord race the rising wind. A wind to puff your idle fires and heap their ashes on the head, to shame the boast so often made that we are wiser than our sires. Oh, yet if nature's evil star drive men in manhood as in youth to follow flying steps of truth across the brazen bridge of war, if new and old disastrous feud must ever shock like armed foes, and this be true, till time shall close, that principles are reigned in blood, not yet the wise of heart would cease to hold his hope through shame and guilt, but with his hand still against the hilt, would pace the troubled land like peace, not less though dogs of faction be, would serve his kind in deed and word, certain if knowledge bring the sword, that knowledge takes the sword away, would love the gleams of good that broke, from either side nor veil the eyes, and if some dreadful need should rise, would strike firmly and one stroke. Tomorrow yet would reap the day, as we bear blossom of the dead, earn well the thrifty months nor wed, raw haste half-sister to delay. Going to the first stanza, like, love thou thy land with a love far brought. What, what he's saying here is 
like love or willing the good, right? The good of the moral order. It's about the sort of moral continuity, right? But it's not, he's making the point that it's brought from out the narrative order. It's brought from out the normative order, but it's transfused in the modern context of the time. True love turned round on fixed poles, right? Fixed poles, like the fixed, you need a sort of, you need the moral continuity, right? You need to have continuity with the past. And the, and the other line, thy brothers and immortal souls, right? It is immortal. Like the soul of this thing is immortal because it continues over time. It's this, that, again, that sense of the commons that we were talking about. That's what he's talking about. It's your mutual interests, your mutual emergent tradition that he's talking about here. Uh, it's the fixed pole in which you need to inculcate yourself into and assimilate into and to uh, understand and hold yourself around or else you're a sophist, which is another line he talks about later. Uh, uh, when he says, the pamper not the hasty time, not feed the crude imaginings. He's saying, don't pamper the hasty times in the sense, it's like advertising, it's pampering the, your base desires, right? He's saying, don't, like, with, with crude imaginings, like with things that aren't important. It's like, this is sort of Soc Socratic, right? Don't be a sophist, don't just be like a rhetorician. It's making a case for virtue. It's making a case for and not feeding like a sophist, it's feeding truth, right? Cut through the bullshit because, and then down the next line, deliver not the task of might to weakness, neither hide the rave from those not, bl not blind who wait for day, those sitting girt in doubtful light. It's like none of this stuff hides the truth. It's instantly recognized, really, because it's more efficient. The truth is efficient and the mind sees that as real. It's realized. It's like a... Uh, higher fidelity right it's a higher fidelity when the truth is told so like deliver not the tasks of might to weakness neither hide the ray for those not blind will wait for day those sitting down full of life it's also it's like neither your neither the powerful or or the weakness of the people that the powerful hold things over uh, is going to remove the people's yearning for the truth or meaning that the meaning or the realization of of truth that's not going to take it away right Acknowledge circle with the winds and let her her uh, reverence fly before her through whatever sky bear seed of men and growth of minds. Yeah, the wind is kind of a, a symbol of the spirit, right? The spirit being sort of patterns of behavior, the patterns of the past. It's like make your knowledge circle bind with with the traditions of the past, so it's informed by it. So throughout the poem, he's, he's constantly doing this. He's constantly talking about okay, it's like a it's a case for the moral continuity. It's the middle way. I would call it the third way that he's talking about. He's saying that over again and again, that your knowledge must be formed by the perspectival, the procedural uh, things of the past. It's like what we were talking about earlier with the Robin Hood stuff. But let her herald uh, reverence fly, right? Reverence. So reverence, that's what gives things their value, is the moral order, the things under things. That's the thing that flies ahead. The herald that makes like knowledge relevant, like what you should do, what you should want. Uh, what you should chase, right? So it's saying, let the continuity, let the continuity, the moral continuity, the, the, the normative order, uh, your understanding of it, drive what you do. And he's saying that later, like, don't let the sophists drive what you do. Let your, let the, the deep cultural elements in your people's tradition drive what you do. He's saying this throughout the whole thing. Before her, before her to whatever sky. It's like, it, it's an endless fountain 
fountain of meaning, really. It's an endless fountain of, of what's meaningful, rather than, like, say you achieve whatever, uh, some car you wanted to buy, right? Some car advertised on television, which is using rhetoric, which is what sophists do, right? The sophists just teach rhetoric, which is what an advertiser does. Um, if you lead your life that way, and then you achieve that, and you've got nothing left. There's no, after that's achieved, it's emptiness. But this thing he's talking about is imitating your greatest heroes, really. Like, sort of the, from out the story past the news within the present, but transfuse. That's transfusing the sort of behavioral patterns of our greatest heroes, right? Story past. What are the stories about the greatest heroes? He's saying, look into the culture. And to, it's an endless fountain because it can be, it's their symbols that can be endlessly transformed what you do in your life and how it brings you in. Whereas if you follow what the sophists do, you end up uh, the herd, wild hearts and feeble wings. That's what you end up with if you follow that sort of thing. But gentle words always gain. Regard the weakness of thy peers, right? That's speaking. That's like Plato's cave. It's saying that all these people are chained in a cave and they're seeing just the shadows on the wall and that's reality to them. Uh, they're chained and looking, chained to, in the cave, looking at the cave wall of the light coming in. And all they see are the patterns on the wall. They've never seen anything else. Some One guy gets unchained and sees that, oh, there's a person just moving puppeteers. It's not real. Goes up and see, goes and sees the real light. Oh, it shines in his eyes. Goes back and tries to tell the people there. And they go, oh, he's the, you're insane, because they're just seeing the patterns on the wall. They think that's real, right? And that's what this is talking about. Obviously, that parable is related to, uh, to uh, Socrates, who is killed for seeing the light and trying to tell other people in his way and regard the weakness of thy peers. This is, this is suggesting that you be careful in, in how you consider that. He's suggesting, uh, okay, gentle words, put yourselves in their shoes and choose your words so you will be able to communicate what you're trying to communicate. And all deal and watch words over much is another thing. And that's kind of connected to the pub idea I was talking about earlier. That's why you go to the pub. So you don't have to deal and watch words all the time. Not clinging to some ancient saw, not mastered by some modern term, right? Ancient saw, that's talking about sort of traditionalism, going, oh, I'm just holding on to this. That's it. Not the start of the poem where he's talking about transmuting. That's different. Clinging to some ancient saw is, is the opposite. It's saying, ah, an ancient proposition that says thou shalt. Okay, no, it needs to be transmuted kept but transfused as a symbol and transmuted like an icon not an idol not mastered by some modern term uh again term it's talking about revolutionaries right it's talking about the uh, modern ideology or proposition the revolutionaries okay well hang on what does that mean in context like propositional knowing is one thing but perspectival knowing procedural knowing like that's to have proper understanding, you have to actually do, and that's what he's suggesting, do all these things to actually consider all these things, to participate in it so you understand what you're doing. Not swift, nor slow to change, but firm, right? And in its season, bring the law. And then this part as well is connected to the book, that from discussion's lip may fall, uh, with life that working strongly binds, set in all lights but many minds to close the interests of all. Discussions in the pub, right? In the boroughs, lifting up and coming out of it. It's like that which strong from light with life that working strongly binds. You know, it's, it's procedural, perspectival. It's the communitas knowing that you have to be, to get the truth of the thing. You have to actually have that uh, coming up from the boroughs, that bottom upness. Not saying, ah, the revolutionaries have turned up in London and suddenly we'll change all the laws and give them everything they want because they're whinging on social media or whatever. No, it's got to come through the lived tradition that set 
in all light by many minds. You see here again, the close, the interests of the of interest of all, all the boroughs, all the communities, though, not for nature, also cold and warm and moist and dry, devising long through many agents make making strong, matures the individual form, right? Because it's formed over so long from nature in cold, warm, in cold and warm, uh, in moist and dry, devising long through many agents, right? Again, it's that oral tradition emergence, almost like the Robin Hood ballads right here. And he knows this, right? Because Tennyson has studied the same ballads through many agents making strong. It's been made strong over a thousand years by all these people's consideration in the land, participating, understanding from the perspective of all the different boroughs. And you know better, you know better than that with your ideology and it's going to solve everything that has everything planned out, everything planned out in advance, a priori, worked out in one system. You've worked it all out in your head with your like nutbag colleagues, and it's going to account for all the different local perspectival understandings. And you understood all those different things without even participating in it. Yeah, communism will work, guys. Let's try it. <laughs> Meet is it changes should control our being, lest we rust and ease. We all are changed by still degrees, all but the basis of the soul, right? So that it's like the hearth and wellspring at the bottom of the thing is unchanged. And this, this part's really interesting too. So let the change which comes be free to ingroove itself with that which flies and work a joint of state that plies. So it's like the change must be enmeshed with the spirit, the sense of the commons, right? The wind, like the wind which flies, the moral, you know, the moral order, ingroove itself, right? Again, it's suggesting that continuity with the part, the ingroove that, the third way. Orders of the growing hour, but vague and vapor hard to mark, round them see in error dark with great contrivances of power. This is speaking about the same thing, the same, same phantoms, the same ideologues, the warders of growing hour. Yeah, it's like, the, like the, they're using their angst to get what they want, but they're vague and vapor, I would say. It seems like that's talking about the spirit. The vague in the sense of the commons, vague in that uh, patterns of behavior and the moral continuity that is in the place. They're vague, right? You know, where are they? What are they? They're just, they're not, they're baseless. They're formless, right? They're hard to mark, hard to see in terms of their virtue. And like, okay, where are you bound? You're just this ideologue, right? You're possessed by this thing. What are you? You're vague, actually. And around them, the sea and air are dark with great contrivances of power. Contrivances, like that's what they want. It's will to power. That's what they're after. So that, and if, if you uh, perpetuate, if you help them, right, if they get it, the sea and the air is dark around them. Like that's what it's going to end up being because that's all they want. The ego wants to. It's tyranny. It's the slaver. Of many changes aptly joined, is bodied forth a second whole. That's talking about to me. Okay, this thing's made up of many different changes. Like to actually understand how all that's come together, you're not going to have it in your mind a priori. Planned in advance, you need the perspectival, again, uh, the participatory understanding, uh, uh, seeing what's going on as each change is made, doing these things as a great revolution. You don't see how those, what goes on with the many things implemented. Where, I wouldn't puff your idle fires. That's talking about the idol and the icon in terms of like the idol, you can't see beyond. It's like an ideology, right? An ideology is an idol. Art opens you up to the world. You see, be, see from perspectives you didn't formally understand. You see these, the combination of seeing that you have the symbol there and you're seeing that symbol, you can see the world in a new way that you didn't consider before, right? But of course, these ideologues, 
they everything's provided for. The ideology provides for everything, and that's why it creates fires and heaps the ashes on the head. Right, that's what it's talking about. To shame the boast so often made that we are wiser than our size, right? This new generation with this ideology uh, okay, discounts everything of the tradition, have got it all worked out. But that's the problem, right? Is that what they've come up with has become the idol. Is that it's not an icon to understand the world in a better way. Is it provides every answer. Uh, and then it burns everything to the ground and heaps their ashes on the head. At least that's how I see it. I think that's what he's talking about. Principles are, are, are reigned in blood. Not yet the wise of heart would cease. And this is talking about the people that are connected to this continuity. Like, not yet the wise of heart would cease, even if the situation is, even if that, even if it proves true that principles are reigned in blood, an old and new must always fight, disastrously feud, must ever shock, must ever shock together like armed foes. And that's true till time shall close. Then not yet the wise would cease. We won't cease to hold to hold his hope through through the shame and guilt that these ideologues pour on you. He'll hold his hope anyway, right? But with his hand against the hilt, right? His hand against the hilt, so he understands his power. His hand against the hilt. And would pace the troubled land like peace. Not less, though, dogs of faction bay would serve his kind in deed and word. His, his duty is not going to be lessened by those dogs of faction, uh, to serve his kind and deed and word. It's not going to be lessened, right? Certain, if knowledge brought the sword, right, the knowledge that he's providing as he's trying to understand and bring to them would take the sword away, that knowledge takes the sword away, would love the gleams of good that broke from either side of veil his eyes, nor veil his eyes, right? He's talking about here is that he sees, okay, the wise guy needs to see from these two factions that there is some good there that's going on. Uh, and he sh and and he will okay. I'll still see that. I won't become an ideologue. I won't 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 be the idol. I won't okay. And I'll still see and look beyond my perspective. And the next two lines are good too. If some dreadful need should rise, would strike and firmly. So he who keeps his sword sharpened, but knows when to keep it sheathed. Right. Is saying well, it's there. And if it really is necessary, you should be prudent, trained, and dangerous. Like a dangerous, a dangerous person connected to your contradictory, I mean dangerous in the sense of trained, armed, uh, and ready, so the power of your intellect, but also the power of whatever you may need, if you know what I'm talking about, in terms of the right to bear arms, that's why I think we should all be armed. And everything, knowing Tennyson, right, his poet laureate, knowing the kinds of works that he did, he's looked deeply into, into like, the emergent tradition, he's understood these things, he deeply cared about them. And because uh, he saw it as his duty, especially as once he became poet laureate, the, as the wider, wider point of it is it being connected with the continuity of the past, not rushing to, not rushing with ideology and worship of, of false idols, and and participating also in the community and tradition, so you understand what's going on, also. Uh, doing that to inform you and what you are, to inform your virtues and your practices, but also when the tide of that is pulled, the tide of that that uh, uh, that sense of the commons is grabbed by some sophist. Keep a watch of the patterns that are going on. And ah, oh, when a false person like Hitler, for instance, right, grabbed it in the false direction of of things that were going on in the rising up in the people. He's saying, watch for that. Watch for that as as a 
a wise person. If you can study and be wise, watch for that. Watch for that and fight against it, against the grain. Fight against that grain if you can. And to, to keep revealing to the people the truth as much as you can, like uh, Socrates did. So as a whole, this sort of Tennyson poem here, I think uh, it's saying being deeply enmeshed in your community, in your tradition, in the perspectival, in the participatory knowing and understanding of those things to actually make a, a proper reasoned, rational choice in terms of changing the law. You need to do all of that. Before. Love thou thy land with a love far brought from out the story past and used within the present. Because it all comes from the wellspring of the storied past and the traditions, right? And that's throughout the whole thing. Saying be wary of this bigger revolution that you're with, with your ideas and your your ideologies, your idols that emerged that you know better than this long, millennia-long process that emerged here from the story past that made this a free and impregnable island. Thanks for watching and listening.